in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback. It's a podcast about comic books. I'm Graham, I, I don't know, I didn't think of a nickname this time, Giles, and joining me, as always, is our master of Marvel, Alex Shear, and our DC daddy, Stephen Shear. And of course, this week we have our first guest, a friend of mine for approximately forever, uh, David Fresh, is bringing us his favorite book to conclude our month of manga. Uh, David, do you want to go by David or Fresh? Does it matter? Fresh is fine. Okay, so we'll go by Fresh today. So, Fresh, uh, to start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with uh, with comic books and uh, and manga, and uh, or manga, however you want to pronounce it. I don't care. And, uh, Tomatoes. And also, and then you can lead us into uh, what we're going to be talking about this week. Yeah. Uh, my name is David Fresh. I've been a comic slash manga enthusiast since probably middle school. I think my first real introduction to written manga was high school. Akin to like Shonen Jump, Mar- like Naruto, uh, Dragon Ball Z, GT. Um, uh, really, in high school, I delved into Helsing, which is one I think Graham, you and I traded at one point or tried to. Um, in Yasha, I fell off of it in college, and then I re-delved into it at the end of our college slash early adulthood, like with um, free, and I put that in quotes, uh, free, dis- uh, free translations of popular comics akin to one piece uh hunter hunter uh re-readings of like uh yu yu Hakusho. uh so i've i've recently rediscovered it as uh, later in my adult career i'm using a lot of air quotes with this um and this has been one that's been on my bucket list which is berserk uh it's written by kentaro Miura. it's written in the 90s it is a fantastical telling of medieval europe with um more horrors than I think I ever anticipated reading it, but it is horrific <laughs> and it has been more in the light of pop culture due to famous game series Elden Ring and Dark Souls, as there are a significant number of references built into that game. But before we get into that, Alex, what is Read. You gotta wait for the drop, man. <laughs> You're new here, so no, it's fine. We'll no, give I'm you a break. Now, now you get inter- interrupted by the drop. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what did you read this week? Um, so this week I finished out Tortured Life, um, which I, I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's uh, it's about this guy who, like, everything has, like, gone wrong in his life. And then also now he can, like, see death. Um, so, like, it's his life just really, really sucks. Um, but it's a really good read. I finished it out. I really like how it, how it closed out. Um, great graphics. Great, great story. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because I, you know, I am definitely encouraging you guys to eventually read it. I know I have the link for at least part one in the in the show doc, but I saw that I read most of that. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It is good. Um, I I I really 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 enjoy it. So uh, so I'm not gonna say too much more. I really like the ending. It, it, I want to say it's kind of a predictable ending, as as much as you know books like this go, but. It was still a good ending, nonetheless. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and that's what I tackled on top of uh, 
while actually kind of doing some reorganizing of my comics. So I like read, you know, number 121, 122 to make sure they were in order. Um, but you know, just, uh, just moving on from there, but that, that was, uh, that was my reads this week. Um, Graham, what'd you, uh, what'd you read this week? What did I read this you week? You didn't read. You um, can't read. I know. See, that's, you gotta love to make the can't read joke over and over it's and over again. the best joke we have. If, if, <laughs> if we actually we had an audience, they would get fed up with it. <laughs> nobody listens. I appreciated it our, as a listener, all right? Our German, our German listener is gonna stop listening. <laughs> I you're convinced that we have a German listener? I'm not convinced. Well, Hans and Franz, if you're out there, let me know because <laughs> I think somebody's using a VPN. <laughs> Don't insult my German in any, friends like that. That's rude. <laughs> in any case, um, well, we read we read a bunch of One Piece uh, last week, so I uh, continued reading some One Piece. Uh, I kind of jumped back into it where I where I left off a few I'm years so ago. Sorry, and, I'm so sorry. As someone who has followed One Piece for a long time, I'm so sorry you've gotten into this. This thing has gone on for a thousand. Oh yeah, we we, we looked at that. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah we discussed like, that. <laughs> it's like a thousand it is. It's issues way or too long. Crazy. And it's, it's all filler. The author has yeah. come out and said everything up to this point is all filler. Yeah, well, that's the like we're finally hitting the like the, whatever the the grand line like that kind of stuff and like the actual the actual politics of everything are, are shifting into place and uh, yeah I don't I don't I don't have enough time to talk about One Piece here. The point is I read a bunch of One Piece. Um, it, don't get into it. Is is my advice? I do think it's good and I think it's entertaining, but there are a lot of things out there to read and reading a thousand chapters of any one thing is insane. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's what I chose to do. I, not a thousand yet. I haven't read a thousand yet. But, uh, I've, re- I've certainly read a bunch. Um, I didn't, I, to be, to be clear, I didn't start from, from one. Um, the, uh, I, I watched a bunch of the, uh, of the anime and then, uh, in college I kind of got into reading it. And so I started a little bit of a bleed over. So I, I read a bunch of the stuff that I had watched in the anime and then, uh, and then kind of got at that point I did get current. Um, okay. and so now I'm going back to kind of where I left off. Um, but also what I read this week, which I, I recommend to you guys is uh, wind W Y N D um, is a, uh, is a comic by uh, James tiny onion Tinian. And um, <laughs> Wait for yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, I, I've heard the nickname before. I think that's his Twitter handle. I, th- I think that's why I say that. Okay. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, James Tinian is uh, he uh, wrote a book called Wind uh, that I read. Which you know, so far this has not been an interesting telling of uh, how I've read the book. But it's about uh, a world where there are people kind of locked into a uh, a city, and that city is very anti magic. Um, and so they're trying to keep the magic out, keep the humans in, keep the magic out. And um, it, it's kind of the story of these different magical races and how they get along. And so there's uh, there's humans that we've met so far. There's fairies that we've met so far. And the fairies and some of the humans have kind of a loose pact to try and unify all of this, uh, this land. But uh, most of the humans are anti-magic all in general. And a lot of fairies are anti-human, so that there's a lot there. And then there's also vampires. And, uh, of course, because it's um, because it's sexy and cool, most of the eyes are replaced by Ys. Um, so, uh, so vampire is no eyes and vampire, just a Y at the end there. 
Um, of course, we have Wind is the name of our name, our main character, spelled with a Y. Um, and then uh, Fairy, of course, is uh, not not with a Y, but spelled uh, F A E because uh, we want to get the magic across. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> really, though, uh, very enjoyable. It's it's split into books, so uh, each book is is five issues. Uh, and so I've read book one and two, and then currently ongoing is book three. Uh, and so I, I got caught up on that, which is uh, pretty cool. What about you, Stephen? What did you read this I, week? <clears throat> I finished up one of your other recommendations, which was uh, Batman the Night. I got through, yeah, oh, I got nice. through all ten issues. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, and You've already talked about it, but now it's my turn. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. I mean, everybody knows like the story of Batman, but it's a lot more interesting to see uh, how he got from – you know that time in the alley to like the batman we all know it was, so it was kind of cool to see him you know as a as a beginner making mistakes until he finally you know perfected his art and it added a lot of depth to the character as well i mean he like you really don't just feel like he's just out there for vengeance now after reading this one he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem too two-dimensional so i thought it was uh yeah, it was a really good story it's only 10 issues too so if you are looking for a that's, more contained origin story. That's Zdarsky. That's Zdarsky, yeah. right? That's Chip oh, Zdarsky. Yeah. And he um, – what I think is cool about that is he kind of takes a lot of the Batman, like, origin story. And it's not the, not the origin story like his parents dying, but the, the origin story of how he how he gains his skills to be the Dark Knight. Um, he kind of takes a lot of those origin stories and combines them in a way that doesn't nullify any of them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, like, like, we, we know the story cool. from, from – yeah, we, well, we we know him like, yeah, training with with Ra's al Ghul. We, we we've seen that before. We've seen him training in you know basically under various monks through the years. Um, we've seen in the in the animated series. We know that he trains um, in escapism um, from a uh, from what Zatanna Zatara. Yeah. I was, I yeah, I always get confused dad, which yeah. one is which. Um, Her dad, I mean. but uh, so 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 that's incorporated. Um, we get a little bit of great ghost action, which is kind of cool at the beginning of it. Um, and so it, I, I think it's a cool, you know, imagining of, of Batman gaining his skills um, and, and really telling it with a modern lens, but without, again, you know, nullifying history. Yeah, that's uh, very eloquently put. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt reading it as well. Did you? Uh... <laughs> well, yeah. Plus, well, plus the the last issue. I mean, without without getting spoilery, I thought the last issue very cool. You know, setting up well, a. Well, that's uh, a spoiler. So it's, it's a cool issue. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I mean, come it's a on, issue. Ram, <laughs> Dep- I suppose it depends how quickly you get it off the presses, whether it's cool or warm. <laughs> there we go. Um, Whoa! I've got to be uh... fast with this now. What's wrong with you? <laughs> No, so you're you're always going to get a cool issue because we know you're not fast. That's true. <laughs> so, I've seen me run. That's right. Foot race right now. Nope. <laughs> In any case, um, <laughs> what I was trying to say about comic books, because that's what the podcast is about, you guys. Um, the, uh, the the last issue of that run uh, I thought was was cool because it kind of built into this uh, this final fight as as a lot of uh, as a lot of comic books do. And then we see this final fight, and it doesn't go exactly the way you're expecting it. We we, we kind of see the final fight coming, but we definitely don't see how it you know happens and occurs. And that's uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then I like where it left off, where you know enough interesting things have happened that we can 
make up our own mind how Bruce goes from the end of, of this book to the beginning of of really being Batman. Um, and then the other cool thing about the book is uh, that Zdarsky's writing Batman now. You know, the, the the Batman title. So not not Detective Comics, but but Batman. And uh, and so I think we can expect some of the stuff built in the night to pay off in Batman, which would be cool. Of course, I'm not reading Batman because um, there's too many Bat titles. Yeah, so I agree. You know, fewer people. <laughs> That's why I was them. glad that there's just ten little <laughs> issue I could read in or ten issue series I could That's read right. just to, to get a good feel without going too deep. Yeah, that's right. Super consumable. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. Yep. Well, Fresh, what'd you... What about you, Fresh? Yeah, you Did you read it? anything fun this week? I, I have thoroughly been engrossed in Berserk. Like, as I suggested it to you, I was <laughs> finished the first volume and got into, like, this... What is considered, like, not the first volume, I guess. It's the first deluxe volume, which I, I'm showing to the camera now. Uh, it's, like, the first three full volumes. So I started four... I'm currently on, as the website that I've listed, chapter 244 <laughs> upon recording. Uh, and there's a total of 360 or 380. So I, I've just been thoroughly engrossed in it. And it's been really intriguing as a manga that's been on a bucket list as of late to see it. And I say intriguing because this is definitely a tale that is horrifying and is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Um, I have a funny story. I'm not I, done. <laughs> yeah, I purposefully did not start at the very beginning when I suggested this to you. I started at what is our tale starts with um, initially just this 20 something year old who's missing an armed mercenary whose name is Guts. And he just goes into a tavern and effectively with his large slap of a sword just kills a bunch of mercenaries to find somebody or something that has haunted him for the last however many years it's unclear at that point and he is joined by a small fairy creature named puck who is very very adorable but also like the personification that is just like innocence and that follows this man around who is just like as i've as i've wrote the first edgelord character that i've really seen (laughs) as like a main character he's like i'm dark and mysterious and that's all there is about me pain is in my heart and it's like all right as I first read it, I was like, this is, okay, he's an edgelord. Like, whatever, I'm uninterested in that. But as I got into, like, the backstory that is Guts and why he is the adult that he is, which is where I started, everybody, it is really interesting to see somebody come from such a traumatic background build into the character that they are. And so, in no. the f- yeah, go ahead. Well, so in, in theory, this... Uh... This book had uh, specifically about the the Golden Age arc. In theory, this book had an anime. Yes, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Is it anywhere? Have you watched it? I've never watched it. I've heard that it's out there, but I've not personally watched it. And yeah. that, that's actually how I got, as you mentioned earlier. That's how I got into manga. Is like as a kid, I think a lot of us watched like Cartoon Network and a lot of the like animes that were there. And that was that tsunami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toonami was like really the gateway for like me, and even before Toonami was like early morning cartoons with my dad, specifically Speed Racer and Astro Boy, as those are the oh, first yeah, those like seventies, like prominent seventies like anime from Japan. I was like, this is really cool. I really like this. There's something that's just so different from like the cartoons of like our other our childhood that are Americanized that I'm like 
this is cool. I like this. This is different. And even though it didn't match the voices at all, it was like the story is like in such a in such a way farcical that is like really interesting to look at. You're like, wow, Speed Racer is really going to win another one. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no way. Or Astro Boy going off to save the day. You're like, there is no equivalent American comics that I saw as a kid or cartoons as a kid. Or like, there's a boy who's a robot basically through his entire thing. And it was, it was new for me. And that was like really what started my trip into like, what else is out there? What, what other things could there be? Um, well, that, that's funny. Cause I do think one of the benefits of, of anime that, that at the time, you know, especially that, that, you know, talk about the nineties mm-hmm. um, at the time that it had over uh, American cartoons was that they were way more willing to, put adult themes in them mm-hmm. but I, I wonder how much of that because you you talk about like astro boy and um and speed racer we were watching those they were on cartoon network like you said early morning in the mm-hmm. 90s but at that point they were what 20 years old yeah already they were and effectively so, 20 years old so you, you got to compare them to like you know our our 70s superhero stuff like you compare them to like the the 60s spider-man or the or the you know the 60s and, and 70s superman cartoon or the the super friends um those cartoons uh, and i think when you do that or, or johnny quest was the other early morning cartoon network one that oh, yeah, I, I i watched a lot johnny quest. um but uh i think if you compare them to those cartoons like you see i think what happened was that we ended up in the 90s with kind of the the, the childish um you know, creation of of cartoons where where we were going in the nineties. Let's let's make cartoons more and more for kids, um, instead of you know, like making cartoons that were that that told really stories that that have universal applications. Uh, it seems like the cartoons of the of the seventies and the eighties were more about let's tell, let's do cartoons that are modern retellings of kind of kind of folk stories right mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of modern retellings of like like robin hood or mm-hmm. or you know king arthur that kind of stuff um it, even though they're drenched in the in the colors of of superheroes um i think that's that same thing is true in japan although they're covering things in the the colors of superheroes are, are so often covering things in technology yes. um, which, which i think i think you know looks a little bit different but i do think it's similar um, but I wonder how much how much that plays it because you know we especially nowadays we're really good. I mean, you can do w- practically at the same time a, a, an episode of an anime premieres in Japan, we get an English sub version here. It's um, about a week delay usually. So it's it's yeah. So the, you know uh, very little delay at all um, when it comes to now you got to wait for dubs. But if if you're willing to read subs, um, almost no delay. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how much of our differentiation between the two cartoons is just based on the fact that when we were watching them so many of the uh of, of the anime it was 20 years old compared to the cartoons we're watching at the time that our american cartoons were modern they were they were you know contemporary cartoons mm-hmm. i think the closest contemporary cartoon of like that era that i watched as a kid that was americanized was um thundercats like Thundercats had like those elements that you're like, yeah, this is still a little campy and like from the GI Joe era of like, we're trying to sell you something, but there were more like darker elements. Like there were more humanoid characters, even though they were these, like these cat people, they looked more humanoid. They looked more refined 
and the like the detailing was a little crisper versus like from the 70s like we talked about like there is definitely an element that lacks uh clarity and it's just like the bigger picture is more important so kind of kind of adding to your point about you know more detail things like that that was something that kind of jumped out to me with with this uh manga specifically was i just felt Mm. like there's a lot more little details put in you know i feel like a lot of times we read manga or we think anime and things like that everything's hyper exaggerated with facial expressions in this Mm. case i felt it was so much more down to earth and Mm. far more realistic in terms of the detail rather than eyeballs being 15 feet in the air because you're excited i i feel like we actually saw emotion and feeling in a much different way reading this than we did with it, it, in traditional manga, I felt it felt more like reading a, a an American comic than it did. That was a, yeah. Than it did a manga. That was so actually that's... one of the uh, the things I noted from your previous episodes was how do you actually your specific thoughts on the exaggeration? I was like, how will you feel reading this? Because reading this one, while there is panels of exaggeration mm-hmm. where it's like hyper focused dark black, yeah. um, with a face zoom in. But there is much more like there's stoicism that is really established. There is like true feelings of like despair. There are true feelings of like the griminess that is like the adrenaline of being in a high pressure situation akin to war. Um, And I was curious because I was like, I don't think this this specific one will have that. But I do think that it is uncommon for more adult mangas uh, outside of Shonen Jumps because Shonen Jumps really, really good at like really getting the oh my gosh my face it's everywhere yeah, yeah. i have a huge agape mouth but that's designed because shonen is just the japanese word for like boy or like young man sure. that is really supposed to like focus on like okay so people between like 12 and 16 are supposed to read these like there is supposed to be like a moments of you're learning why the characters feel the way they feel hmm. that, that was my question how much of the of that difference right the, especially the expressiveness how much of that is due to this not being like the ones we've read shonen ones um and and how much of it is due to like this being older than the other than the other manga we've read um i think it's a combination of both so to to preface on this this isn't the only oldest one uh dragon ball is probably i think technically older than this it's from like 1980 and it has the same kind of like whimsical faces that you have just like you have described from like one piece and from like Naruto or like where they have like their moments where they're, they look a little more like chibi or a little cuter and they have like the eyes that are more expressive or that they're, they're more cartoons within the manga itself. If that makes sense, like they are the cartoony versions of themselves in it. Um, Dragon Ball kind of lacks that in some degree, but also has the like signs of it where this one certainly does not have that, those moments initially. Later on, there are episodes where they're like, very clearly there's a kid who is like has that cartoonish element but as adults these people mostly have like very stoic or like very uh non non exaggerated feelings well, fresh you bring up dragon ball uh yeah. that started running uh december 3rd 1984 so okay you know you know your uh your dragon ball history i'm proud of you i i you can stay for five more minutes <laughs> <laughs> good i'm glad <laughs> I'm glad. Steven, you, you look like you wanted to say something. Go oh, ahead, no. Man. I mean, I was just going to kind of 
just talk about the comic in general. The the thing at point I was going to bring up earlier was that because I get uh, my phone sends me stories related to comics, and sometimes those like send me random mm. blog articles and things. <laughs> and the one I got this morning was is like top ten most horrifying comics and mangas <laughs> ever made, and Berserk was on there, so. I thought that was pretty funny, but I did think this one was, uh, I mean, it was, it was good, but it was, uh, it was pretty heavy. And I feel like the uh, art style yeah. is a little bit more fitting. I think if they had done the, uh, the name you already, for, style you already told me and I forgot the name, but if they did it, oh, chibi? like if they did like a cute style or, or, or yeah, shonen, show, what do you, yeah, that word. Yeah. Yeah. like, so I, I feel like they had to use more <laughs> like, cause I really felt like, uh, the setting's very dark and, and I did look mm. cause I tried to find the anime as well. Like everybody else apparently mm. did. <laughs> And it's funny because I found uh, some articles that were like, it's even too much for like Adult Swim. Uh, but apparently it's like, it's pretty supernatural. Yeah. Uh, there's some like supernatural elements to it. Um, yes. Uh, so as the initial telling, so prior chapters of this, effectively the world is set where demons are a very real thing. And they show the true horrors of demons mm-hmm. and ravaging like villages and people. And it's more so than just like a guy with horns. This is like, very adult explicit themes yep. where there's like <laughs> lots of violence yeah. involved and they don't sexually and either, physically. Yeah. yeah. And I think as someone who's read a lot of like shonens in comparison, like this is something that I am not afraid. I'm not glad, like good. I'm not saying like, yeah, of course this is great, but it adds an element of realism mm-hmm. to this is how war is. Like this is the elements that was, Middle East, Middle East, medieval Europe, not Middle Eastern Europe, <laughs> medieval Europe. And like the real horrors of like bandits breaking into your house and like what happens when you lose a war. And like when people say, oh no, think of the children and the women, like this is what happens. And that's a very, it's very graphic in that way, but it's, it's a, in a weird way, good to reinforce like this is horrifying. And that is, I, on I agree with that. That's uh, that's a really good point because you don't, like if you don't want to glorify war like there's like somebody who's like righteous and, and you know like they're fighting the good fight and they're going to be the good you know, good guys all the time and so i do think that's important i mean I, i've recommended the boys to people but i'm like kind of like hesitant because it's like it's so intense that but it's like at the same time it's it's like almost important or good to see you know maybe a little bit darker side even if, even if it can be intense I, I do think it's important so yeah it's excellent point yeah, yeah. Was everyone able to finish it? I, I know I jokingly wrote that in the notes, but like it, it is, it is very tragic. Like we see as the as the comic starts, a young guts born of a very tragic situation yeah. where he is lost in just like puddle of blood and mud to a, a mother who is no longer alive and was taken in by mercenaries and is raised yeah, how- to see the horrors of it. Well, how crazy is that? That our, our opening scene here, as we see. A tree full of hanged, uh, I think we're supposed to understand that they're village people, but we don't really know who they are. But a a bunch of hanged people, and underneath one of the women is this child in the mud. And we're given to understand that this woman was hanged, and then she gave birth. Yeah. You know, after she was hanged. So, like, I mean, how, how, (laughs) that's that's our first panel here. (laughs) Welcome to the golden age. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, and it gets it gets darker from there. Uh, I, you talk about the the darker stuff, though. I don't. I mean, there is there is an element of realism there, right? Like you know, we we talk about like war is hell, and we talk about this was some of the things that happened in the Middle Ages, but also it's not right. <laughs> like like some of this some of this is legit, and some of it is is not so legit. That's yeah. the 
because because we also know in the Middle Ages, most of the battles were fought by aristocrats, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, so that we we have we have a section now. Now this focuses on the mercenaries, which which are also a big part of medieval battles. But the uh, most of the battles are fought by aristocrats on horseback who send a bunch of mercenaries to go fight each other first, and then they come in and they do their whole thing. But they all tell their mercenaries, and 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 how much mercenaries actually listen who knows but they tell their mercenaries these are the rules of engagement these are you know we're very into this this whole you know chivalry thing right now we're really into it uh, in fact like like check this out look how shiny my armor is look at this you know big cross that i wear on my shield mm-hmm. so you know how into chivalry are i've been holding on to this handkerchief from this woman uh, for 20 <laughs> years now um because uh, i'm really into this whole chivalry thing so we know that, that there are there are some some rules and we also know that throughout history wars have been fought especially organized wars you know not like you know prehistoric beating the crap out of each other with logs kind of wars but but really organized wars have been fought mostly by people in power and people in power want to maintain that power and so while there are instances throughout history where we we've gone like the scorched earth thing in the Middle Ages, that didn't happen so much because these people were going like, I want to conquer the king, but I want to conquer the king because I want what he has. And what he has that's most intriguing to me is all of these village people who make food and give it to him. So, like, that's the big thing I want. So I don't want to hurt that. So while, like, yes, villagers did get hurt in wars, they weren't the main target of wars. Right. And especially, especially since you've hired mercenaries, you don't want the mercenaries to touch them. I'm paying you gold to fight my battles don't touch what i want yeah right? I, like the the whole goal is you to capture the city for me right i think akin to that or as a counterpoint i see as i read more of this i see berserk as a set more towards the holy war like mm-hmm. the holy like the crusades where like there is no there these there will be inquisitions there will be slaughtering of your opponents regardless of what they are as and it's less it's more focused initially in like early, like pre crusades where it is more barbaric. Like our mercenary group that we see with Gambino and Donovan is like a very rogue, a very brutish, like mercenary group. Like they're just there to survive. Like the dollar or the coin is only the only thing they care about. And as long as they can fight and keep eating, they don't give a shit about anything else. Well, it's, it's interesting. You bring that part up, right? It's because I think that's exactly what it is. They're so focused on, on acquiring the ability to you know the coin and and eating that they don't care who they're fighting or frankly they don't, they don't really have any morals at all um right. and and i think that's pretty clear and obvious um especially towards the end of uh chapter one and then the beginning of chapter two here um mm. where where donovan just you know very violently um and very very non I, I don't want to say nonchalantly that's not the word but very just devil may care says oh yeah i paid uh gambino <laughs> you're mine for the night um yeah. like the, we see that on full display and that's just one example right um i i think that there's just there's lawlessness within themselves but it's you know hey we have one mission we're going to go get our coin we're going to we're going to make sure we can eat but other than that, I don't give a shit what's going on around me, and uh, 
the coins what matters i it doesn't you know doesn't matter how i get it mm-hmm. yeah uh, i specifically picked these ones more as to set the tone in a non Cthulhuan or non uh, who's the, who's the writer uh, who does all the like HP uh, Lovecraft horrors? Yeah, yeah, Lovecraft. yeah. Because that is the first few few novel or few first few chapters, which is you're you are set in the medieval. It's very akin to Bloodborne, where you are set as this merc- you're following this like British British guts who is in his twenties with a with a fairy, and he is there to like slaughter this anthropomorphization of like a devil slug, and it's far grosser as time goes on. But to set the tone on it really is like, where did all of the chaos start? Because you don't just start having demons built into your land. That doesn't make any sense. But this is a good way to really set like how people really were like just inherently uh, not British, but like barbaric. Like they, they just want to survive in a world that's unfair and cruel to them in every way, shape and form. Yeah, and that's, I, I mean, I've I, I've gone on record um, in the, especially when we read Kickass, that I don't I don't like the the violence in these in books. I mean, and not not just this book, but in books in general, I, I especially in Kickass, I thought there were, there was no purpose to it. It was just there, just just to be there, shock value. I think this actually has way more of a purpose. Now, I will say. I don't have the stomach for it. There's no chance I would keep reading this. Okay. <laughs> but that being said, I do think there's a purpose here. Um, and I do think it really, like, sells something about, about like, like you're saying, the, the horrors of war and that kind of thing. Um, I think one thing that would make this really, like, way easier to stomach as an audience, and I'm glad they didn't go that route, is this idea that, there is like like yeah of course these mercenaries are 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 brutish and of course they're slaughtering people and of course they're they're raping and pillaging as they as they go and like we we should abhor that but at least this is a band of brothers that has this loyalty that unites them but we see that right away that's not true of this group right yeah. like we we see gambino who's the leader who has adopted this kid but but not really He's adopted this kid as long as the kid is useful. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the kid isn't useful, let's get rid of him. As soon as the kid you know, puts him in a situation where he loses a leg, well, now now he's truly a curse, and let's get rid of this mm-hmm. kid. And so the uh, – and, and then you know, selling the kid to Donovan. Donovan wanting to buy the kid. In general, like, like all of this we see right away, there's no loyalty in this group. Um, and and I like that. I mean, it's I think it makes it harder to stomach, but I I do think it's it's one thing that brings you in. It doesn't give you any relief. It says like this is horrible, mm-hmm. and there's nothing here that's redeeming. You can't be like, well, you know, yeah, Gambino sold the kid to a to another member of the mercenary group so he could get raped, but at least he taught him swords. Like nobody, right. <laughs> like nobody's like like it's okay. There's there's no there's no redeeming qualities here. We're like, yeah, this sucks. Life sucks. All of these people suck. And, I mean, as of yet, we're not even sure if the main character – I mean, at least from these two chapters, we're not even sure if the main character, Guts, is a decent person. Right. We're like, yeah, like so far the people he's killed has been because he's been brought up as a mercenary and also because they've harmed him in some way. Um, but we're – I mean, we don't know. <laughs> so far we don't – we haven't really seen anything that says like, oh, yeah, Guts is a good guy. At best, we're ambivalent. Right. And I think that's also why I've picked this. So in the first few chapters, and the reason why this eventually becomes the Golden Age, Guts is looking for a very specific person. And it's a person who, post, because I think at this point we've read him, he's like age nine, post age 14, like once 
once this se- the third chapter starts, he kind of does find that like band of brothers that people really like have that camaraderie that you said you would hate to see it. But Guts is very terrified to like really blend into that because he knows he's like, I've killed a person in my own group. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't trust myself. Like what I've learned is like PTSD and like, it's very much like, I, I can't, I can't be here. Like you guys well, can't yeah, trust no- me. And also he he's finally getting in this group where he feels like he belongs. He's, you know, he's contributing. He's giving coin to Gambino saying like, hey, there's more where this came from. I'm just like trying to pay back what you've done for me. He finally feels like he's a member of the group. And as soon as that happened, he's betrayed. Yeah. So like so he's going like, I'm not falling for this anymore. Like, really? You think that, that I'm going to fall for this idea that people care about each other? Nobody gives a damn about anyone else. Yeah, and it's it's only in the next like group that that guts finds if when eventually he finds it that like there is a character that is like way too charismatic and he is skeptical on that. You're like, no, no, no. Why does everybody like you? Like, what is going on here? Like, y'all are too nice to each other, and you're mercenaries. Like, what 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 happened? What what kind of witchcraft or sorcery is this? So yeah, I mean, uh, on note for at least art, and I see no, you, you can you keep going. I was. If we're moving on, that's good. <laughs> As at least a note for for art, um, I know you guys talk a lot about the art styles for your segments. How do you feel this compares to like anything Americanized or anything that you have read previously? Well, it's like, it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, right? It's uh, I think that stylistically, it feels it, it feels like it's more grounded in realism rather than this over exuberant you know i mentioned the exaggeration for me you know Mm -hmm. as and i think that that's important but i also i get drawn in when a story even if it's an unrealistic story i get drawn in when the art style feels like it could be realistic you know Mm -hmm. that's uh you know we've read stuff like alex and ada which art art style it was it was pretty simplistic but nothing felt unrealistic if that makes if that makes sense same with this i mean there's a lot more detail to this like you know it's very believable that you know this guy could go off and lose his leg in a war that's i mean that that's happened um i mean you know we don't see too much hyper exaggeration with emotional um expression things like that so it just for me i i like that and i'm and i'm drawn into that a little bit more um Mm -hmm. i do think that Overall, there were, there were parts of it that were exaggerated, and I and I something I picked up on just looking at different panels. If it would be like a, a shot of the castle and a bunch of tents, the art style f- felt a lot different than if it's just you're talking to guts or you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I I felt like there were almost three different art styles. So that I didn't like. Okay. Um, but I but I don't have an issue with any of the three i just didn't like the inconsistency if that makes sense sure and kintaro Miura is also the only person who drew this so there are there are very different art styles from the built-in panels to um i think uh, you guys call it the spread shots where it's like the wide yeah, open yeah, panels the splash pages yeah the splash, splash pages. pages yeah yeah versus so, uh oh go ahead well so i i think what's What's interesting here is that we talk about, especially when we talk about Western comics, um, one of the things that we, we like to talk about is, is like the ages of comics. You talk about the Golden Age and the Silver Age and, and whatever. Mm. But um, I think, so this comic comes out 
what, what is like like eighties, late eighties. It's like eighty eight uh, is like the, I think the first episode, eighty eight or eighty nine. So we we know in in Western comics, like, like nineteen eighty nine is is a huge turning point for comics, and and they go from like. We, we we get a lot of a lot of dark comics in that year. We we talk about uh, Watchmen. We talk about Killing Joke. Uh, we ca- talk about um, that's my uh, that's, Dark Knight. That's my comic Killing um, Joke. <laughs> but um, so we we see a shift in in the late eighties and in the early nineties towards towards darker comics. And we, so we we talk about you know the we have Golden Age, we have Silver Age, we have Bronze Age. Following that, a lot of people like to call the next age the Dark Age. Which mm. is is not referring to like dark like Middle Ages like there's no but it's referring to like literally the, the stories got a lot darker, mm-hmm. um, but then following that a lot of people just call the next age the modern age, uh, but I, uh, recently people have been taking to call it the cinematic age, um, which is you know in, in American comics especially in in the early two thousands, um, a lot of comics moved more towards. Uh, and it, and it, it's technology based. It's the fact that we had the technology to make to make shading and to make different camera angles like way easier to draw. Um, but because of that, we get a lot more comics that are based on how would we shoot this if this comic were a movie. And so we see a lot of angles that are chosen basically with the idea that this comic might become a movie. And and part of that is is a play with. You know the Marvel MCU movies coming out at the same time, and so that kind of mix and it's it's comics inspiring the movies and the movies inspiring comics, and going back and forth that way um, creates this cinematic age in Western comics. But I think what's interesting here is that this right away feels super cinematic, right? We we have we have these with these wide establishing shots of of you know we start with this wide establishing shot of a tree, and we slowly get closer and closer. These this all looks like shots from a movie. Right, especially this first couple of pages, they're all movie shots. Yeah, uh, we see, we see these up close um, of people's faces. We see these action shots. Um, the one, so the first one that I pick up on is, I don't know which page it is in just the section we're looking at, but it's it's page one ninety three of uh, of that volume. But okay. if you go down that page, there's, there's a lot of horizontal panels. Um, but this is the first example of that that I've seen. Um, in our book is the is Gambino's face as he turns to look around we see the shading goes from like dark and there's a there's a white line at the center which is kind of becomes like you know, part of manga and part of anime mm-hmm. like that that's what this is is a hundred percent we do this all the time it's kind of that flash of light across the screen you've seen it in every anime you've ever watched when somebody like gets their attention caused by something and generally it's like you know black bar the character's face and then a neon light that flashes across the screen right exactly insert your nutty right here yeah so so we see we see mira doing that uh here uh, several other times throughout the book we we see that exact the shading to do that and it's one thing to do that now when we already have the anime that's that's established that as a as a trope but to do that in the 80s in this manga book i think i think we're seeing a lot of um a lot of the beginnings of some of the tropes that have become super popular in uh, in manga and anime. Yeah, I would argue that the late 80s, early 90s of manga and anime are effectively what we will see transition out of. Well, actually transition out of, but a lot of uh, the same movies that I think of are like spirited away. Like that's, that Studio Ghibli art style that has just been like transcending the last few decades is really prominent here. And it also in like, 
Akira is a perfect one where you mentioned like, oh, there's a panel designed for movies. Like the Akira slide is so iconic. It has been used over and over for the last like 20 to 30 years of just leg out position, slide all the way back to the back to the top of the page as like you're on a motorcycle or whatever position you pick. And it's like a very iconic yeah, view. And for me, yeah, the iconicness of like this art style is like really prominent for what I remember trying to draw as like an early aughts kid. Like this art in particular is the reference of like, yeah, this is what I like. Mm-hmm. This is what I know. And then once late aughts, early tens come around, like that art style really transitions to a more modern looking and a crisper line design than what we see here. So for me, like with the art, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, okay, I mean, you get a point, but I was just going to say like for me, for the art, I mean, I've already said on the show, they already know what I like about uh, the art style. It's like all about the colors. I mean, I think colors are like very important to the human existence. I mean, we see red and not, not a lot of color yeah, here. Like we see red and we think of danger <laughs> and blue is supposed to be calming, but to be able to get those same feelings with the shading, I think is, is pretty good. Cause I know. Alex said he didn't like the different art styles, and I know what you mean. It's like when we first start, it's like way darker. Like everybody looks way more shaded, and then when you mm-hmm. when it advances, they're they're you know like lighter. But when something bad's gonna happen, then it goes back to dark. So it's just I really like what they were able to accomplish without the use of colors. And you know, it's one thing about mangas that have always you know we talked about why they don't have colors, but like to be able to like establish an art style without colors still just kind of blows my mind. Like. I feel like you can do so much with colors and to, to do all that without it is it's pretty remarkable. Cause it did feel like they were able to accomplish everything they wanted to with just different shadings. So I was a big fan of the art style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's my point here. I think this book in terms of, in terms of manga, in terms of pacing, in terms of, of the way the panels are drawn, I think this book does a really cool job of kind of, uh, really establishing what the story is about. I think we feel through those, those art styles we talked about transitioning between them. Um, it allows us to feel a lot of what's going on in a scene, right? The, the more peaceful a scene is the lighter the colors are. Um, and you're right, Stephen, the, the shading does a lot of that, but I don't think this is, I think this kind of, and totally based on this and, and the, the mangas that, that we've read uh, this month, this feels like, a, a turning point or like, or like a fork in the road for Western comics and for, uh, and for manga, because at, at this point, if you compare this comic to a lot of the comics of the eighties and the, and the nineties in, uh, in the U S um, this looks like a lot of them, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I said, this, this, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, if you told me like Rob Liefeld drew this, I would be like, I mean, he didn't because the, there are feet drawn. <laughs> but excluding that, I don't. It's not that far different from from you know, that, that kind of iconic early '90s um, art style. There, it, this is not that far off from. We read that Young Blood uh, comic. It's not that far off from that. Uh, and so I think it's interesting that that following this, we're going to see the two art styles kind of diverge. Right? We're we're going to mm-hmm. see. Japanese manga move more towards a, a, a lot of shonen stuff, but but even even barring that, if you look at kind of the more slice of life stuff that's not shonen, um, it moves away from this uh, super detailed form to a more you know solid lines, uh, less sketchy, um, and a lot more 
simple. And and part of that, I think, is, is a reliance on color uh, mm-hmm. nowadays. But it's also part of that is this idea that modern modern manga should be made so that it can become anime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas the uh, – and I, I think we're hitting that now – um, in the U.S., with modern comics should be made that they can become movies, um, is, is where we see a lot of superhero comics going. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that this is kind of a point where the art is not that different between between you know Western comics and between Japanese manga. It's 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 similar. I, yeah, I think iconically, this is probably the point where it blends the most. Where I think for us as kids, like I think the best example I can talk about diverging from this art style is uh, Samurai Jack, where we talk mm. about like cell shaded and like there are no lines. There are literally no lines drawn for that comic and or for that cartoon. But that really highlights like where America and like where the Western countries took its early aughts and saw, um, maybe we shouldn't be so detailed in the faces. Maybe we can go into block orientation that fits our like whatever CGI that we're trying to build into and like Japan focused more on like the thin lined, but more exaggeration and more like creeped in uh, comic within like it's breaking the fourth wall, but building it within with it's like chibi selves or it's like comic within comic self of like what we see in like Naruto and what we see in like Hunter Hunter, where there's like very cutesy, like, Oh, of course in the background, like this is how they actually feel. But this is where the lines are like, okay, these are crisp. These are like, they're thin, but they still have the details. And then it devolves into like, or not devolves, but it evolves into like a self, like a more self shaded or more like this was designed for tablets and to be put on television, to be sold to everyone. So yeah. Get on board with that. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about, we're talking about art here. Um, and uh, like I said, th- this reminds me a little bit of a uh, uh, Rob Liefeld, but um, we've we've minus read a couple feet. of minus that's right, that's right, minus the feet. Um, we've read a couple of uh, medievalish uh, comics, and, and I, I've read a few um, comics set in the Middle Ages. Now, it's a little bit interesting because, like you said, Fresh, this is kind of taking more from the the Lovecraftian that kind of influence uh whereas a lot of modern um and and it's it's divergent without being that different but i think a lot of our modern medieval stuff is based on uh dnd it's based Mm -hmm. on based on dungeons and dragons um and so it's interesting to see where the root of this stuff comes from um but i tried to avoid some of that um but so i I have listed here some modern comics uh alex i know you read some of nottingham um yeah so that, that kind of modern medieval comic. Uh, we all read Dark Knights of Steel, at least the one. Um, Cressy, I don't know if anybody's read that. It's a graphic novel about the Battle of Cressy, which is the um, basically it's it's the the British um, invading France following the uh, following the Normans. Um, so they like the Normans come and they conquer Britain, and then there's there's a lot of battles over the time. But um, following that, the uh, the Brits eventually cross over to France and they start burning and pillaging and this uh this is part of the uh the Hundred Years War where uh, like, like you know we talk about the heroes like like Joan of Arc and, and stuff like that but um the battle of Cressy is is really interesting because the French felt like the Fr- it's the French and a, and a bunch of mercenaries um 
feel like they are in the right because the British are invading and they're kind of conquering the country. And the British feel like they're in the right because the French were the conquerors first and we're just picking on them. And um, it's told from the point of view of, of, a, of a British archer. And he's uh, and you kind of follow him along as he as he tells you a little bit about the story of this battle and how the British archers and their and their longbows and also kind of a combination of weather and just logistics allowed the British to come up with a victory that that they shouldn't have come up with. All of that to say, <laughs> um, and then I also mentioned Rat Queens here, which if you haven't read Rat Queens, super funny. Um, but um, and Rat Queens very much a and D comic. Um, but, uh, I purposely picked Cressy because it's drawn in a very similar style. Uh, and so I wonder how much of this art style is kind of necessary if you're telling a, a medieval story that's what wants to be grounded more in, um, wants to be grounded more in, in reality rather than in kind of the fantastical world, right? You know, like we, mm. we read that, that Grant Morrison Klaus comic that is 100% grounded in fantasy, um, which is to say not grounded. Um, and so I, I think sometimes uh, when you come in from that world, it's really easy to, to have this you know explosion of colors and magic and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but when you're trying to be a little more grounded in reality, I wonder how much this art style is necessary uh, as we see it here. And then also in this, this Western Cressy comic, which is, you know, essentially drawn very, very similarly. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely an interesting point. Something to think about. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like again, I think, uh, you know, this art style. I guess, yeah, I guess Klaus was kind of based in fantasy. That's something to think about because so well, is kind of Dark Knights of Steel. I mean, Dark Knights it's, of Steel. It's, is the, it's same. the origin story of Santa Claus. Yeah, so, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a little, little bit of fantasy. Well, like, I don't know. The colors really have there, but I'm like, yeah, I guess that one is based in fantasy. And same with Dark Knights of Steel. So, okay, I don't have a counterpoint to that then. <laughs> so so even even putting the the art aside what's the uh, how does this compare with i mean so all of the comics i've, I've listed here are post 2000 um they're all western comics so we're talking uh, 20 years later most of these um they are also western comics uh, you know based on the, the medieval comics that we've read and the medieval comics that you've read how do those compare to this manga set in the middle ages I mean, based off the things that I've read, like if this feels a little older, but not as old as 1989, it, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it feels like maybe it's like a late nineties. Um, because a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, it's post 2000 and it just feels like it's a little older than that, but it doesn't feel like it's almost 20 years older. Um, so I, I mean, you know, for me, it's the hats off to the artist and and the creative team, and I, I think fresh. You said it's just one artist, right? One artist and one yes. storyteller. So, right as as of this part, uh, unfortunately, Kentar Mira is no longer alive, but his close friends are continuing okay. this. Um, and and his son, right? His son has has something to do with the. Uh, yes, with the but I don't know all of the like the background lore to it. I know that it is continuing, and it stopped because of his death. Um, but yeah, it was for the most part him, like much like Oda mm. for One Piece, it was just kind of him doing it at the at the beginning. I don't know how much that has changed over time. So, but but I but to go off of that point, right? You know, hats off hats off to him for 
for the effort and the work that's put in. Graham, you mentioned uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, a little bit, and I, I think it's interesting you bring that up because that that came out in the seventies. Um, that was that was a very. I mean, obviously, it's gotten popular. It's had its waves of popularity, but a lot of these action sequences feel like something you would read or kind of discuss in a Dungeons and Dragons kind of realm. So I, I think it's interesting that you get a little bit of that feeling from that, from something that's now 50 years old to, to getting it to feel modern as if it was written maybe 20 years ago and not almost 40 years ago. And I mean, you know how this, we're still talking about how this compares to other medieval stories we've, we've written. I mean, I do agree. I think the art style was ahead of its time. Um, and even though this tries to be more grounded in reality than uh, Santa Claus, uh, most of my most of my uh, <laughs> medieval experiences are more modern comics. So it's just, it's really hard for me to compare. But you know, I mean, it does seem like the art was ahead of its time. It's just you know the stories I've read, like Dark Knights of Steel and um, Klaus and all that, have all been written much later. So it's kind of hard for me to say um, how does it compare when <laughs> I don't have as much experience in the field. What were you gonna say? When was Dark Knights of Steel? That's written? ongoing, so like, it's yeah, ongoing. Yeah, it's, when did it, it start? Just came out this year. One. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for me, it's just I am more used to the. Uh, to me, this one just didn't feel medieval. I don't know, and and I think maybe that's because I had more some supernatural elements to it too, and yeah, that's kind of what I got off the first like panel. It looked almost. I mean, they were obviously skeletons, but it looked more supernatural to me than anything medieval I've read. So to me, this felt more like. It was leaning into a supernatural side than it is medieval, but that's just me. So it's kind of hard for me to even compare it based off that alone, too. It's just, mm-hmm. I, if like, it feels more to me like the Sandman or something that we've read. And there's, that's interesting because because yeah. obviously Fresh told us that it it does move more towards that supernatural thing, but I didn't get that. I mean, may, maybe you're right that the first panel I looked at it and I went, okay, supernatural. But very shortly thereafter, I just went horrors of war, yeah. well, medieval I, comic. I, yeah. I did not get a supernatural feel from these from the, the chapters we read anyway. Yeah. And, and you, I didn't really get strong <laughs> vibes either way. I wasn't like, this is medieval or this is supernatural. It's just to me, I didn't really get – I didn't even know it was supposed to be based off medieval Europe until I, I went through and looked at it later. Because to me, it was just like you know people fighting wars. and I mean, it's just that, that timing is very popular for things like Game of Thrones and those kinds of shows. So, like I didn't think too much of that setting. I was just paying attention to like where the art style was going and what I kind of vibes I was getting based off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like initially, like the first the first comic or like the first volume or two does really revolve around like some supernatural, like as Guts's like main villain for that is some supernatural ish human. Or they're like, oh yeah, he has like armor that looks like a cobra, but he's just a powerful warrior. There's nothing necessarily off right away until it devolves later what actually is happening. So there are there are real elements of supernatural parts where there's like there is a very real like demon element and like a very uh, very heavy focus on like religion as how do you try to defeat these demons with like a crusade adjacent thing where it's like okay. The Holy See literally is one of the armies later on in the stars. Like the yeah. Holy See is coming to defeat the like the demons that are out. How do we do this? And in this one, it's it doesn't get there yet. And it's I think it's a very powerful statement of there isn't the the devolve like the demons and the angels really devolve from like the two sides just fighting at each other for so long that they have to embrace a side of justifying their wars. 
until it's revealed that there are actually demons involved. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, um, I mean, Fresh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about this before we wrap up? Um, I think, I mean, one, thank you for having me here. This has been a great time. I love talking about this stuff. Um, I'm glad <laughs> everyone was able to get through it in the sense that I'm glad I didn't just turn everybody off of this episode. <laughs> oh, no, I um, think no, we no, actually I... have zero listeners now. It's a, <laughs> okay. you know, we okay. went from one to zero now we lost because our you're German on the listener. show, so you're not going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We, uh, Fresh is our German listener. Well, I, but, God, <laughs> but, but I'm, yeah. I'm like Graham, though. I have, I have an incredibly high threshold for, for things that are violent. Like, I mean, my first comic I actually purchased was Watchmen. So, like, this is like nothing. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's not nothing, what really but... drew me in was like, right. Where it really drew me in was my first, like, quote, dark element comic was Helsing, which was like an aughts comic based around like the Helsing organization and it's maintained around Dracula, AKA Alucard spoilers uh, and how it transitions, but it's, it's dark in the elements that like the church, the main, like the whole, like the Catholic church is described as evil and that the Helsing empire is trying to defeat the Catholic church, trying to hold back or trying to defeat the vampires that are there. And it was for me as like a 16 year old, they're like, wow, that's a weird element to have like built in. Like I've never seen a hierarchy or something that's been so prominent in my life be seen as evil. And it was very interesting to see that. And this book has really pulled me back to like my 16 year old self of, huh, this is very interesting to see like that, that element come back that like there is, there is evil built into like our establishments and that there isn't there isn't always good. They're not always just knights in shining armor. There is like a darkened corner hiding under the castle. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand that this book. Uh, if you guys do not continue reading this, as Stephen said, <laughs> this is listed as one of the top ten horrifying <laughs> mangas written. Oh yeah, uh, Stephen, I wanted I wanted to ask how far how high on the list this man? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll find it again. Just yeah, give me a second here. I know it's not number one. I know I'm pretty sure I know what number one is, and I actually refuse to read it it's, because um, it is in and of itself too horrifying. Um, so what's what? What do you think number one is? Uh, it's a I think it's a it is a manga from like the 70s, and I know I, I don't know its full name off the top of my head, but I know its first issue cover. If I saw it, and it's it's basically okay. a man wrapped in like a, he looks like a mummified are... is the best way I can describe it. Um. um but it's this like very like it's where I think Graham, you and I have talked in private at one point where there is a sake for being edgy and there's edgy for the sake of edginess. This is early eighties edgy for being this for like the sake of edginess. Like there, there is too much fight, like violence and like over the top grotesque elements that do not need to be there. And it's just I, how gross can I, how, like how despicable of a thing can I write as an author? Yeah. So this list is everything. No, it's not just anime, but so number one's number one is uh, ruins. Um, okay. Oh wait, no, yeah, ruins. I haven't heard of that. Then Batman: The Black Mirror, Crossed, Berserk, The Crow, hmm. Low, Black Hole, When the Wind Blows, then The Unfunnies. Oh, and then Mouse got on here too. But that's just really, yeah. Well, that I like, mean, that makes just, sense, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's 
horrifyingly dark comics. I don't know, but but Mouse doesn't like depict anything. I mean, it. I I, I suppose it, it describes it, but it's describing a historic account. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's that's yeah. that's not. Well, it, I mean, it describes something that actually happened, and so like like I I I suppose. The fact that a horrifying thing happened does make a comic makes that uncomfortable to read. talks about that horrifying well, I, thing. It does make it horrifying, but but Mouse doesn't. It doesn't go out of its way to show you like graphic horrors. It it's trying to tell you a, a man's story. Yeah, but I think so. I don't. I don't know. It, I think what they're going. There's some for, of these where you're like, like, I mean, just like it's a you know a comic book about the Holocaust. Like like on the surface, it just sounds so crazy. Like. Just like when you think of comic yeah, books, you don't, I don't know. Don't about think about Holocaust. Holocaust. What's what's the title of the article? Just be- before I you know, yeah. <laughs> talk about how bad this writer no, is. No, it's. <laughs> what, I mean, you don't have to think. It. It's. Uh, it just says ten comics so bleak. People refuse. Oh, so yeah. bleak. Oh, okay. well, then that's okay. different. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's very fine. different. I, yeah. I, I thought it was like the most horrifying comics, and I was like, I was like, well, I mean, I, the Holocaust yeah, happened. What bleak. do you want? <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, that I, uh, that's fair. It is, it, it is it bleak. Is very yeah. bleak. Um, the uh, I, it's it surprises me that Batman Black Mirror is that high. Have you, have you guys read Black Mirror at all? I have not. Netflix. That's not about the same thing at all. It's not about the same thing at all. I mean, Black Mirror is is basically um, the uh, well. I mean, spoilers abound here, but um, gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think of um, Jim Gordon's son. You know what his oh, name is? I can't think son. of his name off the top of my head. Jim. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God, what is it? He's yeah. in the White Knight. <laughs> What's his name? So it's 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 Jim Gordon's son. Um, it basically becomes a, a uh, yeah. He basically becomes the new yeah. Joker Just of James Gotham Boy City, Jr. and he like tortures. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's James Gordon <laughs> Jr. Okay, uh, but he torture he tortures like everyone in yeah. Gotham City, including his family, and um, and it, it's it kind of it it kind of interesting to set him up against Dick Grayson the same way the Joker is set up against Batman, um, but it's. Um, it's, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I think that's what it they're going rough. for. Not horrifying. I shouldn't have said that, but bleak. Bleak and horrifying are not the same thing. Just depressing, like nothing's gonna go right. Mm-hmm. Well, it kinda of, it kind of builds off the uh off the the ideas put forth in the killing joke. Um and so it's that's like it, it's yeah. pretty bleak. <laughs> it's, and it I mean, unfortunately it was not as good as Layla Star, Alex. I apologize. Bad. Um <laughs> that you picked the wrong I'm comic. Sorry that you picked the wrong comic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, um, I think we can we can move on from our uh, from our bleakness. Um, th- that's going to wrap up manga month for us. You know, I was almost said week, but it's it's been a whole month of manga. Uh, I hope that you guys have uh, learned a little bit something about manga. Thanks, Fresh, yeah, for coming on and uh, teaching yeah, us all yeah. a little bit more about manga. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I hope so you all have learned to appreciate a different art style and continue to read more things along this <laughs> along these nope. lines. <laughs> okay. So, so as we close out Manga Month, what's our what are our takeaways? What did, what did you learn about manga, or uh, what are you going to take back to reading Western comics? Are you going to continue reading manga? I'm going to like go back to reading Western comics and appreciate that I can read them. You know, oh left to right. Oh yeah, left to right. Yeah, did you read this one from the? No, bottom? I read this one correctly. 
It only took three weeks. It's hey, fine. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a chance I'll read some more manga, especially stuff that kind of falls in my wheelhouse. Like, I want to find some uh, funnier kind of more... I mean, One Piece wasn't, like, serious at all, but I want to find some more, like, you know, funny style, and, and I'd probably read those. I mean, I've said it before when we were starting, Japanese culture has always fascinated me. It's high on my list of countries to go to. Um well, like I said, we we didn't really dive into it at all, but there's a lot of slice of life manga out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, the uh, it's out there. Yeah. So if you're looking for something funny, that's the way to go. But, but you Spy Family definitely goes up there for me as something if you are looking for a slice of life cutesy like family style thing. But what I did learn that um, one thing I did learn is just that there is that variety. I mean, I don't know why I would have thought any different, but the fact that it covers all genres and and does so very well. That's one thing I took away from reading anime. Reading yeah. manga. <laughs> Watching okay. anime, reading manga. Watching yeah. anime, reading manga. Come on, Steven. I, I watch with my eyes. Er, no, that was a dumb joke. You both read and watch with your same eye parts. So <laughs> let's move on. We, you do read and watch with your same eye parts. Wow. That's incredible. I, I want that on a t-shirt. I read and watch with my same eye parts. Hey, that's new merch. That's new merch for your show. We don't have any merch. We don't have, any, we, don't, we don't have an audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be four hey, people. Hey, people hey, so, randomly yeah, they just, randomly, <laughs> just randomly drop shit. See if they follow like, our hey, podcast. That, that would be a hilarious marketing ploy. <laughs> just open the yellow pages and send a shirt to a name. <laughs> <laughs> you might gain a new member. Who knows? You'll you'll have two audience members at that point. Listen to the show. Read and watch. <laughs> yeah, only, <laughs> we're only going to send them people in Germany to build our German audience. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's what funny. are we reading next? Well, month? I hope that. It, that's right, I hope everybody's enjoyed Manga Month. Um, I don't know that this chaos could uh, possibly continue. So, uh, Stephen, lead us out of this darkness. Where are we going next month? All right. Uh, so next month. Uh, Graham did uh, kind of bring it up for me. He did create the perfect segue. We talked about uh, the different eras of comic books. Uh, you know, we talked about the modern era, which is what we're in. We've hit 90s and 80s a lot. But uh, I think in order to have a true appreciation of modern comics, uh, I think it's important to go back to, I mean, the relative beginning, which is the golden age of comics, which covers the period of 1938 to 1956. Um, and I know we did cringe comic, cringe-tastic comics a little bit ago, and some of these comics are going to be a little bit rougher, but I do think that in thinking about the context of why they're created is important, and uh, how we got from those style of comics to where we are now. So I'm going to start us off with uh, probably um, one of the more iconic Golden Age comics, which is Action Comics number 1, which everybody knows is the first appearance of Superman. It was published in 1938. Whoa, spoilers. <laughs> I didn't know Dude. that. My eyes! <laughs> and it, it was it was literally, when I looked on it, there was like 12 people credited as both the writer and the artist, but I just went with the two people that always are associated with Superman, which is Jerry Seagal, Seagal, Seagal and Joe Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to read issues one, and I didn't realize that it was only 14 pages, so I threw issue two on there. I have absolutely no idea what happens in issue two, but they're both only 14 pages, so uh, a lot of light reading for uh, for this week. Nice. There you go. A little bit of light, light reading. We can celebrate Halloween and uh, hopefully read some uh, some other comics as well. And we can uh, talk about those next week. 
Well, with that, uh, we're going to go into our next month of November talking about Golden Age comics. Unfortunately, Stephen didn't come up with a uh, a cool alliterated oh. title for next month, <laughs> so uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to the try and oldies. clunk our way through that title, Golden Age Comics. <laughs> In any case, um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I think it was fun doing uh, Manga Month, and I'm excited to jump into some Golden Age comics. If you have anything you'd like to tell us about your favorite manga, or you want to talk to us about how dark it is in your house, I would suggest first you pay the Hmm. electric company, but then you can go ahead and send us a a quick line. You can find us at Make Mine Paperback on Twitter, at Make Mine Paperback on on Instagram, uh, you can talk to Alex just through basic mental telepathy, or you can find him on Twitter at Aishir90. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Graham underscore Giles. You can find uh, Stephen breathing heavily on the other end of your phone anytime you pick up the receiver. And, uh, you can... Where can people reach out to you? Uh, I am on Instagram. I believe my handle is a fresh one, a F R E S H O N E. Uh, I am on, I don't think any other main, I don't have a Twitter cause I haven't used Twitter in almost 10 years. Uh, those are the like Instagram is probably the main one at a fresh one. There you go. If people want to find me as opposed to a not fresh one. That's true. <laughs> that is my counter. That is my duplicate. Don't, don't follow them. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't follow Fresh's doppelganger. Right. There you go. I threw in a little bit of German for our German listener. Right. <laughs> he, he just said you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> that's right. Well, donkey shins to him. <laughs> um, yeah. With that, uh, that, that's it for us. Uh, just stop listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed... <laughs> Manga month. We hope that you enjoyed the um, uh, the fresh hell that is Berserk. Uh, we hope that you, I, I don't know, start your own band of mercenaries. I guess uh, we hope that you just uh, in general enjoy Halloween, enjoy horror comics, and enjoy the darker side of life. Uh, we hope you go to your local comic shop, approach the counter, and tell the person at the counter, "Make mine paperback." We'll see you next week. Bye.